Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Talk Radio Breakfast with Julia Hartley Brewer and The Times. Be well informed. Welcome to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you missed any of my Talk Radio Breakfast show, don't worry. We've put some of the punchiest bits of this morning's show into a bite-sized podcast. The Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. Enjoy. Online, on DAB and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Right now, let's talk about this with Roy Lilly, a friend of the Talk Radio, as you know, and former NHS Trust chairman. Good morning to you, Roy. Julia, good morning to good, you. Good morning. Now, I'm going to guess, yeah, that, that news yesterday from Dr. Jenny Harries wasn't a shock to you. It's on the front page of most of the papers today, the six months of curbs, some version of a lockdown for all that time. That wouldn't be a surprise to someone like you who's been running an NHS trust. No, it's, uh, we saw it all coming. I mean, the, the bottom line is very sim- simple. The virus spreads when we are in contact with other people. If we stay at home, don't meet other people, the virus doesn't spread, not as many people catch it, fewer people need to go to hospital, the hospitals can cope, more people will live, end of story. But of course, life has to go on, the economy has to keep ticking over, so there will come a time when, when the numbers of in hospital have flattened out or perhaps even reducing slightly, that they will release, relax the regulations to allow a bit more out time. Um, and that will expect then to have the virus peak again and they'll clamp down again. So uh, this is standard epidemiological practice and we've all seen it coming. And I thought Jenny actually, who's now Jenny Harris, who's the deputy chief medical officer, who's turning to the sort of the nation's mum, hasn't she? You know, yes. gives you the one of those talking to's that you have to listen to. I mean, you, you, she has extraordinary gravitas. I have to say, I've been very impressed with all of the, the medical officers and, and, uh, and scientific advisors. Uh, you know, and it's very nice to be hearing from people you know who have haven't got an agenda they're not trying to sort of uh, sweet talk us they're just telling us the facts and and you know they're not lying uh, when they're standing behind that podium um, because you you know that they, you know their credibility is on the line um look we know that the prime minister the health secretary the scottish secretary the chief medical officer professor chris witty all currently uh, in coronavirus isolation obviously uh, hopefully very mild symptoms for all of them i certainly hope so but uh, uh, debilitated to a certain extent just by not being able to be in contact with other people in terms of the handling of this crisis and again talking about this with my guest Dave Chawner uh, earlier I think I think being critical friends is the is what people should be at this current time which we, we should always question we should probe we should we should find out what is going on we should question why things are not happening when they are supposed to be happening why we're not doing things the same way as other countries or why we are doing things the same as other countries are we learning lessons do you overall looking at what the government is doing when it comes to testing when it comes to uh, the, the, the preparations when it comes to protective equipment all of this. Are you confident the government is on top of this and is doing the right thing? Well, it's as on top of it as it can be. Look, the, the NHS declared what we call a level four national emergency. That's as, as tough as it gets on the 30th of January. So that was six weeks before the WHO 
um, said that we had a coronavirus pandemic. And since then, they've freed up effectively a third of the beds in the NHS. Huge amount of work has gone into that. There are about 18,000 nurses and doctors who are going to come back and give us a hand. And uh, they've commandeered all the hospital beds in the private sector. I mean, they've been really busy. When it comes to PPE, well, there's a certain amount of PPE which is stocked, and there was a certain amount of PPE, personal protective equipment, which was, which was banked up um, because of the Brexit um, issues and whether or not we'd still be able to import and, and what have you. I mean, I think we ripped through that pretty quickly. The NHS has... What, what we call a pool distribution system rather than push. And let me explain that. The pool means that the hospitals pull from the central distribution what it needs. There's a very well-organized uh, and, and very sane ordering system, as you might expect. And everything is ordered, you know, three or four weeks in advance. People project what they want, so it comes just in time, so the hospitals don't have to have a whole load of stock. Suddenly, we're in a push system now where we've got to push out as much PPE as as we can and the NHS simply doesn't have a distribution network to do that it's not designed to do that and so the army came in and gave us a hand um, I expect the PPE thing to be resolved um, this week I think we'll stop arguing and having problems with that testing whole different ball game been a complete mess the reason is a complete mess is that there's a world scramble for the testing we, we, got, we got off the back foot very late in the day uh, we're going to start testing staff this week. We'll see what the numbers are. Yesterday, we tested under 7,000 people. It's no good. I don't know if you saw Tony Blair over the yep. weekend talking about testing, and he's right. We've got to test pretty well everyone. But hold on a minute. We, I, I absolutely agree with you. I mean, when I spoke to Matt Hancock, the health secretary, a couple of weeks ago, he was saying, oh, by that weekend, I think we were going to get to 10,000 tests a week. And well, now we, we did it a week late. Well, we're aiming to do it a week late. It, it, there are lots of question marks about why more testing kits weren't ordered. There does seem to be a question in lots of other countries. Though. Some are doing huge amounts of testing, like South Korea, like Germany. Other countries uh, have not done it. We still appear to have been one of the countries with the most number of tests carried out. But at the crucial moment, March the 13th, I remember the date. It was my brother's 40th birthday. The date I think that I may have caught the virus, if that's what I've had. And again, I can't get tested. I don't know. Um, the, the, that, was, uh, that was the point where they decided to stop testing people who suspected they had coronavirus, um, which seemed to me exactly the point when you should have carried on doing it. You think that was a big mistake? Yes, I do. The what would, what would have changed if they had done well, that? What would reason, be different now? Well, the reason you didn't get tested, Julia, is they didn't have the tests. That's the problem. They had to ration the tests, and they were trying to ration the tests to be used in hospital, first on patients, and then secondly on staff. I mean, it, this is very straightforward. We've got a pandemic. How many people have got it? Don't know. How many people have had it and got better? Don't know. How many people are going to catch it? Don't know. We won't know the answer to those questions until we test people. And you know, massive uh, testing, setting up testing centres, there's one in Chessington, that I mean, looks to me like a windswept car park, and there are a few women there in their normal come-to-work clothes with an apron, you know, a little penny on and a mask. That's not the way you do it. So I do know that there's a group of NHS managers who have been taking a lead on this, and they've been tearing their hair out, but they can't test 
more than they got test to test. And, and that's where we are competing with the rest of the world and where we should have been off the straight and, you know, in January. Right, let's order these tests. Of course, the key thing there, I think they didn't have uh, the tests. The South Korea did manage to have a whole load of tests very, very quickly. Uh, we, we perhaps should have geared up. I would definitely should have geared up much more quickly. However, there is a problem with these tests, isn't there? Which is that the anti- the one that you can do, you know, out and about as opposed to the test that someone needs you to have to send to a lab, the antibody test, you have to have had the symptoms for more than 14 days. Well, it has to be 40 days after the first day of the symptoms before that test is likely to show that you've got antibodies. So there is an argument that having tested a load of people in the last couple of weeks may not necessarily have shown up all the people who are positive. No, there's a window. It's a week to four weeks and people's bodies react differently and they make antibodies at a different rate. And so when we say we're going to test people, it's not one test and finish. It's one test a day and another test on Wednesday and another test on Friday. This is a whole thing that you have to keep testing, testing, testing. That puts pressure on laboratories. Originally, all the tests went to Public Health England's laboratory in Collindale. Well, within a week, uh, you know, I predicted this, I think, when I was talking to you, um, I forget uh, when it was, but I remember yeah. saying to you they're going to get swamped, and sure enough, they got swamped, and then they tried to farm it out. Now some of the hospitals are doing some of the testing, some private labs. This 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 week, I think, we'll see some changes in the in the organization of how this is done. But again, we are short of the actual tests. And it's great news that Mercedes are making ventilators. That's the news that we're yeah. hearing this morning. But can't we find a company here that's normally making something else, I don't know, perfume or booze or something? Can't we find somebody that can make some tests for us here? It can't be that difficult. Indeed. Thank you very much indeed. Always helpful to speak to you, Roy Lilly, former NHS Trust Chairman. Thank you very much for that. Just breaking news also that... EasyJet has announced in the last few moments that they are grounding their entire fleet in response to coronavirus uh, pandemic. Of course, this at a time when... um Dominic Raab, the Foreign Secretary, tomorrow expected to announce he's chartering planes to bring stranded Brits uh, home uh, to the UK. But EasyJet has grounded its entire fleet uh, as of today. Online, on DAB and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Let's talk about what is happening with travel. Obviously, we're not supposed to be traveling where that's uh, absolutely necessary, as we've just been discussing. But what about those people who are still trapped abroad? Uh, Dominic Raab, the foreign secretary, says that he's going to uh, organize repatriation flights uh, as of tomorrow to get the hundreds of thousands of Brits who are still trapped abroad and get them here home safely. Very difficult when, of course, lots of airlines are grounding their fleets. EasyJet confirmed today that they are grounding their full fleet of flights. Let's talk to Simon Calder. He's travel editor at The Independent and joins us now. Good morning to you, Simon. Uh, good morning, good Julia. Morning. Actually, at the moment, I can't travel editor at The Independent, <laughs> um, but uh, there we are. Um, there's too much happening in the world of travel. And uh, uh, yes, my, um, my, my thoughts very much with people stranded abroad, with the people who are working in the travel industry right now who face an uncertain future, and some of them are doing fantastic work to help bring people back, um, airline cabin crew, travel agents, uh, there's some great stuff going on. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we know, so let's talk about EasyJet first of all. Um, yes. EasyJet grounding all of their flights. I mean, Ryanair, other airlines already had, had done that pretty much. Uh, and and the, the, the staff being furloughed on 80% of pay. Of course, the taxpayer is going to be footing the bill for that as it is for everyone else. Um, at least one does hope that these airlines will be able to stay in business uh, and that these people will keep their jobs and life will at some point return to normal and their businesses will return to normal. 
Okay, well, life will return to a kind of new normal in which I think uh, the travel industry will for some years be much reduced in its scale, um, in its horizons, in the... Uh, yeah, I, I think we will probably look back on 2019 as the year of peak mobility when we had the best uh, travel industry of all time, when we had fantastic value, when we travelled more safely than we ever had. And now, of course, everything is grinding to a halt. In fact, Ryanair and also British Airways are continuing to fly. If you look at the uh, flights which are taken off from um, Heathrow this morning, you could uh, fly to Dublin, to Madrid, to uh, Gibraltar, Munich, Frankfurt, um, Hamburg, all sorts of, uh, of places you can fly to. And that is not because they are desperate to make more money. They're certainly not making money at the moment. They are simply performing a public service, keeping the world connected and actually helping some of those people who are stranded abroad. So, for instance, those flights to Madrid will bring back people who have been on various uh, repatriation flights coming in from Latin America uh, to the Spanish capital. And yes, I, will be I've seen back. some people on social media say, it's outrageous, why are planes still landing? I see the odd plane going over my, my garden. You think, why are people still flying? This shouldn't be allowed. But again, these are largely people returning to this country to be safe. Uh, yes, they, they are well, or to be safe or at least to be with their family and friends, which is a natural thing to want to do, particularly if uh, they are, and there's a lot of people in this category, they are the carers for people who really need um, help at the moment, or if they are indeed uh, lots of NHS staff stranded abroad in places like uh, uh, Peru, in India and so on, obviously desperate to come back and do their bit. And it's worth saying that the World Health Organization um, says uh, there's no point having international flight bans once local transmission of the virus begins. They are absolutely uh, scrupulous about that. And um, EasyJet said it's closing down its operations not because it's really worried about sending crew to all these places even though they are doing a fantastic job and indeed like so many other frontline staff uh, you know, taking chances on our behalves uh, yeah. but because of the number of flight bans and uh, similarly the foreign secretary's call first of all and this was uh, what uh, 13 days ago no british people go abroad one week ago no british people uh, all British people who want to come home should do so. That's not because British people are regarded as particularly at risk in, in far-flung corners of the world, but just because so many flight bans are coming into effect that it makes it very, very difficult. And, of course, conditions in some of those lockdowns are yes. uh, very tricky. In Bolivia, for instance, um, you, uh, you're allowed out once a week, um, depending on the last digit of your ID card. Um, for, for to sh go shopping between 8 and 12. So um, uh, it, it's a, a very stressful, very confusing, very anxious time for so many people. It, it is. There's some interesting polling at the weekend asking people whether they are supportive of what the government is doing and, and, and how it's changed their lives. And actually the, the support seems to be sky high for the government at the current time. People are still concerned about the lack of testing, concerned about other issues. But one of the things I thought was interesting was how few people said they had cancelled travel plans or changed uh, uh, holiday plans. It was something like under 30%. And I'm thinking, but but surely there are, there are no holiday plans going ahead. And yet I see this morning, quite bizarrely, that Kunar, uh, unbelievably, are still selling cruise holidays to Australia, not for something to look forward to next year or later this year, but a cruise holiday departing as early as 10 days, uh, sorry, as 12 days time. Why are uh, they yes, even um, being allowed I, uh, to sell products like this? 
there's nothing to stop them selling it as far as I can see. Um, the uh, thing is, I cannot see how Cunard can possibly deliver it. Um, it goes against Foreign Office advice not to leave the country. It's also taking passengers to a country where anybody who steps off of an aircraft, well, first of all, you probably wouldn't be allowed on unless you were an Australian citizen or a resident, but you put it, you are put into mandatory two-week isolation at a place of the Australian government's choice. So that's not going to be very comfortable. The generous answer to why it's still selling them is that obviously chaos has descended on the cruise industry and Cunard hasn't yet turned off the sales tap in line with government advice. Um, but I must say some cruise passengers have been telling me that Cunard does actually, of course, plan to uh, cancel this very nice 27-day round Australia trip. I'm, I'm booked on for the uh, uh, fly out of London on the 10th, board the ship on the 12th. Um, but it's keeping it on sale in a bid to uh, say that the, the, the ship's still going. Therefore, if you want to cancel, you can do, but you're going to have to take a future cruise credit than actual cash refunds. And that's um, it. In terms, in terms of refunds, actually, even including with many of the airlines where people have got uh, those those bookings. I mean, I've got some flights booked in August, luckily, but when I was aware that this was all coming um, from just from doing this show and talking to people on air that I thought, you know, we're not going to make any other travel plans that we're going to end up having to cancel. I'll just sit and wait for a few weeks, and I'm glad I did. But uh, we're told that we're going to be waiting quite a few months to get our money back, even if those flights are definitely cancelled simply to keep the travel companies afloat well there's uh, several things so airlines okay including easyjet um they when they cancel a flight they give you your money back within a week it's as simple as that they can offer you vouchers they can offer you the chance to switch your flight but it has the, the airline has to offer you a full cash refund british airways and easyjet have done something surprising and uh, they have taken away from their website the really easy kind of almost one click and you've got a full refund when they cancel a flight option and you now need to phone them up and uh, guess what you phone them up and I've tried many many times to get a refund on my British Airways flight it doesn't go through I have raised this with the Civil Aviation Authority and um, it would be interesting if these very same airlines are seeking cash from the government at the same time as um, uh, making life difficult for passengers but Airlines, that those airlines are one thing. Um, uh, tour operators, travel agents are quite another. Lots of them are saying flatly, when we've cancelled your package holiday, you cannot have a refund. You can only have yeah. a, uh, a credit note or you can rebook for later. I mean, in the year. Again, that, again, this is, is completely wrong. This, um, well, uh, yeah, that, that said, that said this, is, this is going to be the only way these companies can stay afloat. So, I mean, if we want to have future holiday companies, that's what we're going to have to do. Simon Calder, uh, travel editor of The Independent, not allowed to travel editor as his new title is. Thank you very much. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30 30, get 30, to get 20 20, 20 get 20 20, get 15 15, 15 15 just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker, Talk Radio. Right, let's talk about rather more serious issues. And that is, of course, coronavirus. Of course, we're never straying very far from that. Uh, but there are big concerns that China, we know, was uh, basically keeping uh, very, very uh, stum about what their coronavirus statistics were very early on. Uh, they certainly, as they've done previously with SARS and other uh, health crises that they have themselves created, uh, not, did not give full information to the World Health Organization. And there's still question marks right now about their own statistics on how many coronavirus uh, deaths they've had and how many coronavirus uh, positive uh, patients they have had. Also, big questions about the substandard safety kit that they've been exporting. Holland is just the latest country to discover that millions of uh, PPE kit to keep uh, NHS their, their health care staff safe has actually been of a shoddy quality and is unusable. And it's raised yet, of course, more questions over the uh, role of Huawei, the Chinese firm uh, in our 5G network. Let's talk about all of this with Tom Tugendhat now. He's a Tory MP. He's also chair of the Foreign Affairs Select Committee and joins us. Good morning to you, Tom. Morning, Julia. I morning. think we um, spent the same Saturday night. I, <laughs> I also was it's trapped a... into watching Frozen, but I really? move on. we'll move on. As <laughs> <laughs> if the trials and tribulations of lockdown are not enough for men. Well, there we are. It's that's a great exactly film, right, Tom. Yeah. It's a great film. Yeah, right. Okay, I'll leave. Okay. I'll leave you with that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Let's uh, let's talk about obviously the much more serious matters. We're a lot, we've got to be allowed a giggle every now and then during this time, haven't we? Right. Um, you've exactly. been raising a lot of concerns in, in in your select committee online with the government about um, uh, the Chinese uh, role in Huawei in five G, but particularly also as we've seen with China back to its normal tricks when it comes to uh, being very questionable with its honesty at a time when we need everyone to be honest about their coronavirus statistics so we can help fight this pandemic. What are your concerns? Well, look, Julia, even today, Radio Free Asia, which is a, a relatively reputable site, uh, is being re- is reporting saying there's uh, north of 40,000 dead in Wuhan, uh, not the 5,000 reported. Now, this is really important. It's really important, not just because, of course, it's, you know, it's a lie. 
but it's important because actually it's changing the way that we and other countries are planning our own defences. You know, you'll have heard the Oxford report the other day that said that uh, if we followed China's methods, then we should end up with uh, only a very strange word to use in these circumstances, but only 5,000 dead from coronavirus. Well, it, you know, that only works if the data that we're putting in is is even slightly accurate. And and if we're making estimates or, uh, you know, calculations based on uh, Chinese data that turns out to be completely false and deliberately so, then what we're doing is we're putting our own people at risk. And that's why this matters. This isn't just some sort of esoteric argument as to whether or not dictators lie to their own people. This is about the safety and security of the British people. And that's why I'm so concerned about it. And we know the Chinese authorities, as they've done previously, lied about there being an outbreak in the first place. And we know that their instant reaction to there being an outbreak was not to sort of alert the world and, and, and take immediate action. It was to um, actually to threaten and imprison uh, the medics who were speaking out, who then had to actually try and get the information out through English language um, uh, medical uh, journals in the West to try and make sure that people became aware of, the, of what the problem was. Um, we may have lost vital days and weeks because of what the Chinese authorities did. Look, that's exactly right. You know, the, the, the early doctors who were arrested and forced to sign confessions that they'd been lying about the outbreak, they hadn't been lying at all. They'd been telling the truth. But what that did is it led the World Health Organization to believe that actually this was a minor disease that actually didn't have human-to-human transfer uh, and therefore could be could be handled very simply. Actually, that turned out to be completely false. It did have human-to-human transfer, and that left the world exposed. So in, in, in many ways, China's deception and lies, the sort of dictatorship that has seen the Chinese people brutalized by, by a vicious Beijing regime now for the best part of 70 years, is, uh, is now exposing the whole world to the same dangers. And, you know, we need to stand with the Chinese people here and, and call out uh, the, uh, the the brutality of the regime, not just for their sake, but for our own. Well, this is it. I mean, you and I discussed many times uh, the issue with Huawei and 5G and, and the, the normalization of the treatment of China and the, the Chinese leader, Xi Jinping, as, as you know, just another uh, uh, foreign leader, as opposed to a murderous totalitarian dictator, which is what he is. There are more than a million people, Muslims in China, who are kept in effectively concentration camps, uh, being re-educated, as it were, um, uh, by this regime. Regime. And uh, the West seems to just think this is not something to be concerned about. We are talking about a, a very dangerous, nasty regime. Um, but this is the thing. When it affects the Chinese people, um, we should be concerned, but we should be more concerned when it does have repercussions for us. We know that um, a lot of the concerns about these viruses spreading have come about from these, these sort of wet markets, these live animal markets, and, and also the eating of some rather exotic animals, the, the bats and the pangolins and all of this. And the concerns that medics have had about this for years have been well known. Um, but we know that those markets are still operating in China, despite the fact that they have been behind the, it's believed, both SARS, uh, the bird flu, uh, and uh, the uh, coronavirus epidemic. And yet the Chinese authorities, who seem to clamp down on anything else in the country, don't seem to be clamping down on those wet markets. Sorry, first of all, the idea that China couldn't stop something like a wet market if it chose to uh, it's completely rubbish. They uh, very successfully uh, cracked down on religious belief, yeah. which is practiced privately and at home. So the idea that they couldn't stop something uh, that is conducted by literally hundreds of thousands of people in public is, is completely laughable. It's not being cracked down on because the Chinese decide not to crack down on it, despite the warning after the SARS outbreak in 2003, very, very clear warnings in uh, many journals on microbiology 
um, that uh, this was going to be the uh, the, the vector, the route uh, of the uh, of the next major outbreak. And of course, indeed, they're absolutely right. It is. And you know, my job is not. Uh, to call out the Chinese government just for you know random abuses, it's to defend the interests and uh, 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 of the British people and protect the uh, protect the British people, and that's what I'm doing. Look, I, I, I understand and I feel extremely sorry uh, for the Uyghur populations, uh, the Muslim populations of Western China, and I'm astonished that uh, no Muslim countries are calling that out. Pakistan is silent. Saudi Arabia is silent. All countries in the Middle East are silent except for Turkey. Now. I think that's surprising and I think that's sad, but it's, that's not the issue for me. For me, the issue is that what this totalitarian regime is doing is it is putting at risk the lives of the people I am here to represent, the people of West Kent, and it's also putting at risk the country that I have uh, spent my life trying to serve. And, and I find that extremely worrying, and that's why I'm calling it out. Look, I didn't rebel on the Huawei decision out of any joy or with any, uh, you know, or with any enthusiasm, I did it because it was the wrong thing to do. It's the wrong thing to do, because embedding uh, a company that is part of the Chinese state that shares the vision of totalitarian control of the Chinese state into our communication network is nesting a dragon, and it's the kind of a dragon that links you to a regime that is quite willing to do to take decisions that see that have no concern for the health and well-being of their own people. And frankly, if they have no concern for their own folk, what do you think they have for us? Tom Tugendhat, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Chair of the Foreign Affairs Select Committee, Conservative MP there. Thank you for your uh, time. Talk Radio Breakfast with Julia Hartley-Brewer and The Times. Know your times. Thanks for listening to the Julia Hartley-Brewer Daily. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and give me a good review. And don't forget to catch me on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 until 10.